from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon and welcome to this Thursday edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, the Senior Vice President here at the Family Research Council. Honored to be sitting in today for Tony, and I want to thank each of you for making Washington Watch part of your day today. We've got a full program, a lot to cover coming your way. Let me hit some of the highlights. First of all, the fallout continues from the decision yesterday by four judges in Colorado to disqualify former President Donald Trump from their state's primary ballot. Others on the left somehow see this as a roadmap to use in their own states. This is essentially the rule of law functioning as it is intended to. Uh, so whether it's in Colorado, California, or any other state, this is really something I think that every state needs to, needs to be asking seriously. That was California Lieutenant Governor Eleni Kunalakis on a local newscast urging blue states to copy Colorado's lead in banning a political opponent from a fair competition. So what does all this potential hijacking of the legal system mean for our constitutional republic? Well, I'll be talking about that a little bit later in the program with someone that you know very well, our very own president here at the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins, and of course the main host of this program, Washington Watch, who will be joining me a little bit later. And while the, new, the uh, Trump news dominates the highlights, Congress itself has adjourned for the Christmas recess, and frankly, they've left behind a lot of unfinished business. Make no mistake, the winter recess will be a busy and important few weeks for the U.S. Senate. Negotiations will continue around the clock. Now, when we return in the new year, we hope to take swift action on the National Security Supplemental. Well, yes, that was the Senate scared leader himself, Chuck Schumer, on the Senate floor yesterday. In addition to addressing the Biden administration's disastrous mishandling of the southern border, Congress also needs to continue with appropriations negotiations to rein in the out-of-control spending efforts by the Democrats. So what other topics are priorities when Congress returns? Michigan Congressman Tim Wahlberg will be joining me here in just a few moments to discuss some of those issues. And the legacy media, well, they've dug up a new supposed scandal on House Speaker Mike Johnson to try to pit Americans against him. And what is the supposed scandal? Well, he's raising his children with biblical values for marriage and sexuality. Randy Wilson, FRC's Director of Men's Ministry, will join me and help unpack why the left thinks that that kind of parenting is so extreme. And finally, since Ohio uh, General Assembly passed the HB 68, better known as the SAFE Act, to protect children from harmful experimental gender surgeries last week, Ohio governor has until next Friday to sign it or to veto this bill to protect children. Me getting it right means for me to find out as much as I can about exactly what is going on uh, and frankly hear from parents. It's a process that is going on. Uh, it's a process that is not done. And uh, I will be making an announcement, obviously, uh, before the 10 days uh, runs. Well, of course, that was Governor DeWine himself speaking with the press yesterday. And he says he makes it clear he wants to hear from parents. 
but he ought to want to hear from those who have suffered from these procedures. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later in the program, including some action items as to how you can be involved and help the governor make his decision. Our website, of course, is TonyPerkins.com. In case you miss any portion of today's program or if you want to check out some previous programs of the past, you can find it all right there at TonyPerkins.com along with a lot of great resources. So be sure to go and visit. And let me just say before we jump into the program that as we begin our new year coming up in January, we encourage you to join us as we start a brand new edition of FRC's Bible Reading Plan. And we want you to start it the best way you possibly can, and that is with a Stand on the Word journal. It's filled with a lot of great information as you read through the Bible with us to help you get a better grasp of it. We'd love to send you that journal uh, for a generous tax-deductible year-end gift. We'll send you a free copy of it. You can do so by texting the word GIVE to 67742. Again, that's the word GIVE to 67742. All right, now let's jump into our topics for today. Despite reports of progress in negotiations, both chambers of Congress will head into Christmas recess without an agreement in place to address the Biden administration's disastrous open border policies. Well, obviously this sets the table for a busy January when they get back to Capitol Hill. And as Congress will return to Washington with that on their plate, there's a lot of other things to deal with as well, such as spending battles uh, or potentially a government shutdown. Uh, what else, what other issues should we anticipate when they come back in January? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Tim Wahlberg. He serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee as well as the Committee on Education and Workforce. He represents the 5th Congressional District of the Great State of Michigan. Congressman Wahlberg, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Jody, it's good to be with you. Good to see you, and uh, we continue to miss you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, just always, I love your tie. It matches my, my jacket myself. So way to go, man. Great, great minds thinking here. Listen, before we get into some of the issues that you and your colleagues are going to be dealing with in January or when you come back from the Christmas recess, I'd love to get initial thoughts on the voter suppression tactics that are really taking place against President Trump coming out of Colorado. Well, uh, I was interested to hear the lieutenant governor of California talk about this is something that really shows what we ought to do. I mean, stop and think about it. The due process that normally is carried out with someone who is convicted of something already, in this case, insurrection, hasn't taken place. A state Supreme Court, 2,000 miles removed from the alleged crime, takes a federal law and constitution and enacts a penalty by removing arguably the number one candidate from the opposition party from the ballot in Colorado. That makes sense, doesn't it? It's it's frightening. I mean, I mean, you you bring up some excellent points, but underneath all of this, uh, Congressman, I tell you, it's just frightening to see what they're we're doing, and we're going to be going deeper into this as the program unfolds. But now we have California and Maine and other other states, uh, as you just well said, because the governor of California is saying, let's jump on board with this. 
Unbelievable. But if I can, let me switch gears with you, Sam. You have an incredibly busy January coming up when you and your colleagues return. Uh, what are your priorities? What do you think is going to be the focus of the uh, party when you get back into session? Well, certainly the focus is to get our appropriations package done so we can have stability in our government funding. And our priority, of course, in the House, we've been debating the issue of uh, reducing spending and do it in a targeted way and ultimately get to pre-COVID um, uh, spending levels. That will put us significantly on a track to uh, balance our budget, reduce our, our, our deficit spending, and ultimately move toward starting to take a whack at our debt. But along that line, we also have requirements that we made to the Senate. And, and Chuck Schumer talks about the fact that uh, the House didn't get their work done. Well, yes, we did. We sent them several bills that they ought to take up, uh, all of which deal with funding for various concerns that they have, Israel, Ukraine. But we've attached it to border funding, believing that our HR2 language, which we have we've passed, that puts our border in a secure position, that puts our Customs and Border agents into positions they have been trained to do, that secures our borders so that we know that immigrants that come through come through legally. We reduce the unnecessary and tragic incursion of fentanyl and other terrible drugs, human trafficking, and even immigrants who are thinking they're coming to a country that is unique in the world because it's a, company, a country of laws. Um, that bill is there in the Senate. They could have the funding for Israel, they could have the funding for Ukraine with other things we put in for accounting practices on spending Ukraine, and they could do it before they leave this week. But we did what they have done, as you remember, Jody, in the past, the Senate would wait till the very end, jam us with an omnibill, leave town, and stick us with a problem. We decided this time to do our work, do it well, send it to the Senate, and then leave town ourselves. Uh, thankfully, the Republican good strategy. The, the Republican senators, yeah. seeing what they did, it gave them a bit of backbone to to stick up for the right and just causes and push back on Schumer. And he wasn't able to jam the House and do things that would not help the American public. Yeah, and at the end of the day, whatever the Senate comes up up with is going to have to pass the House. Uh, like you Absolutely. said, you've already done your job. They haven't even looked at those bills. But what they send back is going to have, have, uh, need to pass the House. And the House is resolute. Uh, we got to deal with the border. So this is going to be interesting. Speaking of the border, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre uh, continues, in my opinion, to mislead the American uh, public. I want to play this clip for you and get your reaction to this. Uh, play clip seven, please. And what we're seeing here at the border, the migration flow, uh, increased migration flow, certainly uh, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. And we're at a time of the year where we're seeing more uh, at the border. And it's not unusual. So is what we're seeing at the border not unusual? Well, it's not unusual for this administration. This is ebbed and flow uh, all through the uh, first three years of, of uh, Biden being in office, and it's ebbed and flow in increasing fashions. I mean, when you think that last week there was a day we had over 11,000 people cross the border illegally, 
And we've had that numerous times ac uh, uh, across this three-year period. Uh, this is an in, in incredible incursion. And sadly, the Godaways, who we don't know who they are, uh, may be people that are setting up cells, terrorist cells, like we had in the country on 9-11. That's a concern. And this KGP, as we call her, and, and President Biden himself, and, uh, and, and others in his administration, including the border czar, our vice president, have been incapable of dealing with this. But sadly, they're incapable, incapable of dealing with it was probably by design to allow this incursion to come into the border. I mean, we have several large cities, massive cities, of illegal immigrants in this country right now that we will have to contend with for years to come. And legal immigrants who want to do it the right way should be those that are most frustrated that they now are in a country that doesn't abide by its own rules. Yeah, it is amazing when you talk about the incompetence. You really have to conclude when all is said and done. Uh, this goes beyond incompetence. This has every appearance in the world of deliberate actions uh, coming from this administration. Congressman Tim Wahlberg from Michigan, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Wishing you and your dear family all the best and a very Merry Christmas to you. All right, friends, we got much more to cover straight ahead. You don't want to miss this upcoming segment. Uh, Tony Perkins will be joining me as we discuss what's going on with President Trump in Colorado, now in Texas, in Maine, and on and on. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back right after this break. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. 
However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to have you joining us. We appreciate so much you entrusting this time to us this evening as we've got a lot to cover. Uh, As I mentioned a while ago, the Colorado Supreme Court's decision this week to disqualify former President Donald Trump from its state primary ballot, uh, effectively eliminating the leading opposition to President Biden in an election year. Folks, all of this just demonstrates the steps that the left is willing to take in order to grasp and hold on to power. And after years of all of us listening to the left fear-mongering over various threats to democracy, this, what they are doing, is what voter suppression looks like. So how big a threat are these tactics, really, to our constitutional republic? Well, joining me now to discuss this is our very own president of the Family Research Council, Tony Perkins. Tony, uh, you got a lot to be doing today. Thanks for taking some time to join us. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I, I like the, uh, the the red and uh, green that you're wearing there. It's very Christmassy. Uh, uh, yeah, I've actually got a little Christmas tree standing here beside me as well. From different angles, it can be seen. But uh, listen, I feel like we ought to exchange seats. I ought to be coming on and you hosting this. But listen, I appreciate you taking time to come on. This is a huge issue that's taking place right now in our country. It's unprecedented, quite frankly. Uh, we, we have, uh, in fact, our country would sanction, Tony, we would sanction other countries if they were interfering with uh, elections like this and, and attacking a political opponent in another country. Uh, what's your take on all this? Yeah, Jody, as you and I were talking earlier today, I think this is quite significant. And, and I think we need to step back and look at this in its totality. This goes back to when Donald Trump was president, and we saw these two unprecedented, as you use that word, we're using that a lot these days, uh, two impeachments of, of Donald Trump that went nowhere um, because there, were, there was no substance to them. But, you know, these provisions, uh, as we've seen the Colorado court use, the discrediting him or removing him from the ballot because they claim that uh, he, he is guilty of insurrection, that, you know, th- they cannot be judge and jury and, and come up with this on their own. But they're doing it anyway. But, but here's the point. These things are, as we've described, kind of emergency provisions in our Constitution. It's break glass in case of emergency. You don't do this over and over again. So, what they're doing is they're using these emergency provisions, these safety valves in our Constitution to gain what they cannot do politically. 
And this is doing grave damage to our republic. And so for, you know, now we see, you know, Joe Biden, uh, the impeachment inquiry beginning into, into him. Of course, people are saying, well, this is just tit for tat. Well, you know, that's a problem. Uh, that you're going to have when you're using these tools so frequently is that you never know if it's being used for uh, justified means or if it's being used for political means. But then you have this state court that is, you talk about activism stepping in and declaring that Donald Trump cannot be on the ballot because he's guilty of insurrection. They, they can't do that. They're doing it. But this, again, is is doing great damage to our Republic, and we cannot long stand if we continue to see this type of stuff happen. Yeah, and it's looking to me, Tony, like this is the same song, the second verse, a little bit louder, a little bit worse, as the saying goes, where before the last election cycle, we had the emergency of COVID, and for that reason, right. we need to change our election laws. And now we have another emergency, supposedly. Donald Trump was involved in an insurrection, which he was acquitted. I mean, but yet again, another emergency. It seems like we're watching a pattern to prevent the voters and the will of the people at the ballot box from uh, being expressed and by so doing, potentially destroying our entire election process. Right. These, again, these provisions that were in our Constitution were put there by the founders in, in this extreme circumstance where you would use them, like a fire extinguisher, you don't use it every day, you use it once when there's, and then it's gone. And so they're using these over and over and they're becoming not, not, not constitutional tools, but they're becoming political tools. And, and, and I, I guess, Jody, I wanna to go to the, to, to how do we respond to this? Because I, I've heard from a lot of folks in the last couple of days, that's why I wanted to come on and talk with you about this. You know, a, a lot of Christians saying, well, you know, what's going on here? Look, this is a battle for our republic. This is a battle between good and evil. It's much bigger than just the United States of America, quite frankly. This is what we read about in the New Testament, about the, 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 the spirit of the lawless one is already at work ushering in the eventually the 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 lawless one the antichrist this is setting the stage for that and this the church is the restrainer and and it's interesting you look at four of the or three of the four justices there in colorado that uh, voted to remove him from the ballot they all came from ivy league schools schools that had been created as divinity schools what a picture of the apostasy in america when it comes to the church and if we're to preserve the republic, it's going to require Christians in this country to once again understand the times and know what to do. And it's not to shrink back in silence. It's not to be intimidated. It, it's not to feel threatened. It's not even to be angry. It is to step forward with clarity and with boldness. We've got a constitution. We have truth. We know what it is. We have to stand on it. We have to defend it. By no means should we be quiet in this hour. And what is happening to Donald Trump is a travesty. And whether or not you like Donald Trump or not, I happen to like him. But regardless, you need to speak up. The church needs to speak up with a voice and say, this cannot stand. We will not let it stand. Absolutely. I couldn't put an exclamation point more soundly on what you just said. We've got only got less than a minute, but this really leads to the role of the church, uh, the role of pastors, the role of believers in the marketplace. Uh, what can believers do to be most effective at this hour in our country? Well, 
One, Jody, I would say be in the Word of God so that you understand what is happening here because we're getting sucked in from the media saying this is just politics. This isn't politics. It's playing out in the political sphere. This is spiritual, and there is an all-out spiritual war happening in our nation. And if we do not engage, it's not just the country we lose. We will usher in the unrestrained lawlessness that we read about in end times. Absolutely. Tony Perkins, it's an honor to serve with you. Thank you for your incredible leadership here at the Family Research Council and in our entire nation. Grateful for you taking time to be with us on Washington Watch. Merry Christmas to you and your family. All right, friends, coming up, the left is now targeting Speaker of the House Mike Johnson for raising his children with biblical values. You don't want to miss that story coming your way right after the break. Stay tuned. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, sitting in today for Tony, and it was an honor to have him on with us in the last segment. The legacy media has now found a new angle, a new hit piece, if you will, to go against Speaker of the House Mike Johnson. And what is the new scandal? Was the fact that he's a good father. Yeah, you got that right. Reporters at ABC News think that you should be appalled because Speaker Johnson took his then-teenage daughter to a purity ball. And this happened almost a decade ago. But the legacy media, they want to create a scandal simply by his doing what millions of Bible-believing parents do. 
That is encouraging children, teenage sons and daughters, to save sex for marriage, just as God intended it. Shouldn't we be applauding this? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Randy Wilson. Randy's the Director of Men's Ministry here at the Family Research Council. Randy, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Thanks so much, Jody. Good to see you again. You look great there in your green and red. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, listen, Mike Johnson, this is just unbelievable how the the left media is continually trying to go after him. He's a good father. He's a Christian man. He's a Christian father. He's a Christian husband. Why does the fact of him living out his Christian faith drive the left so mad? Well, they can't control him. Imagine if we had a nation of faithful men like Mike Johnson. It would be a different place here, and we wouldn't be battling all the, uh, the fights that are on every front here and particularly the family, as it's being broken apart piece by piece. Uh, the, the culture can only uh, pull down and bring down uh, the family and good men like uh, Speaker Johnson. And you know, we started the Purity Ball uh, basically as Lisa came out teaching many weeks on uh, femininity and womanhood. What she heard from the high schoolers, the junior high schoolers was, they were looking for and desperate for a father figure, a father to be at home uh, with them, to be present with them, someone they could talk with and unload on, have conversations back and forth about what's happening around them and the culture and the relationships going on in school and such. But the, the culture has done a great job of dividing the family up over the years. And this is what we have uh, found to be true and why we launched the father-daughter purity ball to highlight and celebrate the father and the daughter in the ways the culture cannot do. Yeah, and I failed to mention that you, uh, one of the reasons you're on is because you were like one of the creators of this whole concept of the purity ball. And so many, uh, thousands and thousands and thousands have participated in this. Uh, and you know, what you would think, Randy, that we want all fathers, that we want all parents for that matter, to teach their sons and daughters that their body is worthy of honor and respect, and yet the the left in this country is trying everything they can to tear it down. In fact, in fact, there's been a backlash to the purity movement, with critics calling it extreme. I actually want to play a clip here for you. Here are some remarks from the so-called expert that News Nation brought in to discuss this. Play clip five, please. We are talking about not a mainstream conservative Christian, but a extremist. Really, even among purity culture uh, advocates, purity balls are extreme. Wow. That was Linda K. Klein. Uh, now, she is the author of a book. And you catch the title of her book. Her book is yep. called Pure, Inside the Evangelical Movement that Shamed a Generation of Young Women and How I Broke Free. So, uh, yeah. Randy, here's my question. What, what does it say about a society when promoting a biblical ethic of sexual purity is considered extreme while pushing sexual deviance upon our children is not? Well, we haven't reacted to that in the church community, certainly, in this whole time that they've been pushing this narrative. And so that's something that we must do. In fact, we, we should probably restart this whole purity ball movement. Because, you know, we had a we had a 
covenant that was signed by our fathers that would say they will live as a faithful man, a man of integrity, and one under accountability. And that that would be the great protection for his family, and particularly his daughter. But uh, I think as time went along and others started these purity balls in their hometowns as well, we kind of got sidetracked by that purity movement because they were then calling for the daughters to uh, to pledge that they would be virgins till marriage. Well, that's that just that's a terrible place to go to. But the media jumped on that, and that's what this became all about. We back up. We got to set the record straight and uh, do what we need to lead as we should as uh, fathers uh, in our homes, because uh, our children are dependent on us to stand firm uh, and to teach us the word of God and how to live. And Proverbs is just uh, rife with all types of leading and guiding and directing for the fathers to teach and train their children as they grow up. So we might have a strong culture again, not driven by the whims of uh, the, the sexualized culture, but by men of integrity, just like Mike Johnson. They're so afraid of him because he Absolutely. is a man of integrity. Well, Randy Wilson, I want to thank you for taking time to be with us today on Washington Watch. You know, it's almost like this ABC News reporter is just checking a box. He knows there's nothing here. And so it's almost yeah. like he's just checking the box to attack, attack Mike. But listen, I want to thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas to you and your dear family. God bless you, Randy. All right, friends, coming up, only a week remains before the deadline for Ohio Governor Mike DeWine to sign the state's SAFE Act to protect children. D-Trend Cole will be joining me right after the break to weigh in on this. So stay tuned. Much more coming your way. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clawson, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold 
or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody High, sitting in today for Tony. All right, we here at the Family Research Council, I shared this a little bit while ago, but we are beginning a brand new edition of our Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It will begin on January 1st, and I encourage you to come join us. We want you to participate in getting in the Word together with us, and I can think of no better way to do that than to get a copy of a brand new resource, the Stand on the Word Journal. It comes complete with spaces for you to jot yourself notes from the things you're learning as you're going through the Word, some thought-provoking questions to help you dig deeper, and a whole lot more. And as we head into 2024, now's a perfect time to get your copy of the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan and the journal to go along with it. We'd love to send you a copy for your generous tax-deductible a year-end gift will send you a free copy of this new resource, and we encourage you to do so. Simply go right now and text the word GIVE to 67742, or if it's easier for you, you can visit TonyPerkins.com and get your journal today. We look forward to joining you as we go through the Word together next year. All right, a story that we've been tracking here at Washington Watch is Ohio HB 68, the SAFE Act. It's a bill that will protect children from experimental gender procedures. It actually passed by wide margins in both chambers of the Ohio General Assembly. And now the clock is ticking for Republican Governor Mike DeWine to reach a decision about signing the bill. Next Friday is the governor's final day. And this is what he told the press just yesterday. For me, getting it right means for me to find out as much as I can about exactly what is going on uh, and frankly hear from parents. It's a process that is going on. Uh, it's a process that is not done and uh, I will be making an announcement obviously uh, before the 10 days uh, runs. The governor really seems to be struggling with this and it should not be that difficult of a struggle. Uh, earlier this week I played for you Chloe Cole's powerful, powerful congressional testimony against these procedures and she's joining me now actually by phone uh she's got a flat tire chloe thank you so much for joining us on washington watch it's good to have you back yes thank you so much for having me on show 
Uh, well, listen, Governor DeWine has spent this week visiting ch uh, children's hospitals in Ohio that push these procedures on children. What do you think he's probably hearing on these visits? He's probably being told by these, these doctors and these surgeons that are performing these treatments that it's life-saving care, that it's necessary in order for these children to live. That it's a part of their identity. And if they aren't being allowed these treatments, it's life or death for them. Well, and that's the message that you heard and your parents yeah. heard. Your testimony, which I played earlier this week, was so powerful, Chloe. I just, um, I don't see how anyone can listen to you without being moved to the core and understanding the destructive nature of these procedures. I want to play one more clip of the governor. Please play clip six. This is what he told the press on Monday of this week. This is a very, very contentious issue. Other states have had dealt with this issue as well. Um, and ultimately, um, you know, my decision will be based on one thing, and that is what I think is in the best interest of the children who are being, who would be impacted uh, by this particular law. Okay, Chloe, I want you to answer that as though you were answering the governor yourself. What would you say to him if you had the opportunity? I tell him that I would I would tell him about my experience of having been on these treatments, the complications that they have left me with, the fact that it never made me better. It never addressed the issues that I really had. And without my breasts, I've been left mutilated and that I could potentially be sterile for life. This is no way of life. For a child. This is something that should be left strictly for adults. But there is no circumstance in which it's okay to manipulate, to lie to, to mutilate or sterilize a perfectly healthy child. These children deserve better, and it is of the essence that this bill is passed in order to protect the children of Ohio. Well, that's why you're testimony is so powerful. I don't think it's a coincidence that just yesterday the American Academy of Pediatrics came out with a shocking article. They had two basic points. First of all, they refute the idea that gender-affirming care, as they call it, is child maltreatment. Um, and so give me your response to that. I mean, it's maltreatment in every single way. This, there is no basis to this treatment at all. Not in science, not in anything. The idea that a, that a child is born so wrong as a boy or a girl that they have to be fixed, that they have to live a lie, that they have to pursue dangerous experimental treatment to change the outside so that they'll be okay, so that they'll be okay on the inside is wrong. There is no world in which that is okay. The second part of their argument said that it's harmful to children to um, withhold these, what they call uh, affirming care, that it's harmful not to give them that kind of care. So they're playing both sides of the coin. Again, how would you respond to that? Well, 
In fact, it's very beneficial that children are not given these treatments under the age of 18. Because by blocking puberty, by starting a child on cross-sex hormones, and by chemically sterilizing them, you're affecting every single part of their development from the way that they socialize, their identity formation, their emotional developments, their, obviously, their physical and sexual developments, you're throwing it completely off course. Puberty is not something that you can just negotiate. It's another naturally bod- natural bodily process that is necessary in order to become a fully developed adult with the full capacity to live life as you want to. To have children of your Chloe own. Is, to have sexual function when you are married. As we wrap up, let me, uh, one final question here for you. I've given you an opportunity to give words, and you did powerful words to the governor. Speak now to the people of Ohio. We have a lot of listeners and viewers in Ohio these residents need to contact the governor and urge him to sign this bill. What would you say to them to encourage them to step up to the plate? Yes. Please contact your local representatives. Please contact your governor. Pressure him into passing this bill to protect your, the children within your state. But laws aren't the only ways to fight back. This is something that is in every single community, in every single city in the United States. Whether you realize it or not, it's affecting the families, the institutions around you. It's not an easy issue to talk about, but it's necessary. It is so necessary, Chloe. I just want to say thank you for your courageous voice and for you standing so firm on this. You are a lovely person in every way. You are deeply loved by God, by those of us here at FRC, and untold thousands of people across this country. We just pray that the good hand of God would be upon you and that this would be a very blessed Christmas for you and your family as you experience joy and peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch, Chloe. God bless you. Thank you for having me, sir. God bless you, too. Thank you. All right, folks, I want to continue this conversation on the Ohio SAFE Act to protect our children. Uh, As I mentioned, it passed both houses, uh, both chambers in the Ohio General Assembly by wide margins. It's sitting on Governor DeWine's desk awaiting his signature. And that's where you come in, especially for those of you living in Ohio, uh, where I know we've got a lot of viewers, a lot of listeners. And joining me now to discuss this a little bit further is Meg Kilgannon. She's the Senior Fellow for Education Studies here at the Family Research Council. Meg, always great to see you. Thanks for coming back to Washington Watch. Thanks for having me, Jody. All right. I'm sure you probably heard a little bit of what Chloe had to say This is a live program. Are are there any updates from Columbus right now, Columbus, Ohio, that uh, I may have missed while we're on the air? No updates that I've heard, Jody, but I think that uh, Governor DeWine should give a Christmas present to Chloe Cole and to detransitioners like her and to the parents of Ohio 
and he should sign this bill. He doesn't have to wait until the deadline on the 29th. He should go ahead and do it now and um, protect the children of Ohio. It, I love hearing from Chloe. She's such a powerful spokeswoman for this issue, but it breaks my heart a little bit. Those of us who've been working on this issue for almost 10 years now, it's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, we, we didn't want for her to, to be able to be harmed, and we certainly didn't want for her to have to speak out on this issue. We were hoping that adults could resolve this on behalf of children. Chloe is an adult now, but that's not been the case. And so it's the power of voices like Chloe's who've been transitioned, who've been through this these procedures as a child that are so powerful and are so able to explain the harms that occur when people believe the lie that a child could be born in the wrong body or that it's possible to change your sex. It's not possible. And so I no. I just would urge the governor to sign this. And if you live in Ohio, to reach out to him and, and express your views. If you live in another state that has a, a branch of the Cleveland Clinic, which is based in Cleveland, Ohio, and is one of the first LGBT clinics in the nation to do these procedures and to do them on children. If you've been treated at those clinics uh, for other illnesses, call the governor and tell him that you would like for the Cleveland Clinic to be out of this business, so that you would like for children to be protected in the state of Ohio. Because we need to- I wanna ask that we go ahead and put the number of the governor up so people can have, they'll have a little bit of time to write this down. Uh, but Meg, I, to, to illustrate your point, I had one of our producers of the show right shortly before we went on, shared with me a tweet uh, that basically is, is declaring the fact that kids uh, aren't developed enough to make such important decisions as this. Uh, but, but the tweet was fantastic. It says, some kids know that they want a tattoo as young as two to three years old. Early signs include using markers to draw on their arms, repeatedly reaching for a pen placed in front of them and making the sound ta and or two. Uh, be inclusive as an adult. Tell them about people with tattoos. Show them pictures of all the pretty tattoos and ask them, do you want a tattoo? You'll see kids just know. Funny, but a brilliant point here. Kids are not, kids say and do all kinds of things. I mean, are we gonna let the tail wag the dog or are we going to help children work through childhood uh, into their adults? Uh, comments. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, we protect children from all kinds of things. We protect them from getting a tattoo. We protect them from certain kinds of body piercings. We protect them from smoking. We protect them from drinking. We make them sit in car seats. They're, the list, we make them wear bike helmets. The list goes on and on and on of things that we protect children with and we prevent them from doing. And the, the overly uh, hyperbolic language that the trans activists will use that we're banning life-saving procedures. That's just not true. <laughs> we are simply age restricting a procedure that frankly, I don't think anybody should have, but certainly not children, right? And so um, this is a just, it's not that hard. 
I, I hope that the governor will um, just start Christmas a little bit early. He could take his take his break right now, sign that bill, and um, let a, let everyone celebrate this wonderful gift to Ohio, the protection of their children. Yeah, I really can't understand why the governor is seemingly struggling with this so much. I mean, uh, it's it's wide margins in both chambers that pass this. I don't. I didn't check. I probably should have. I'm not sure if they have this veto proof or not with the numbers. It's close. But, but wide numbers, it, it's gonna. It would be very very close. So uh, I don't understand. Do you have any idea why the governor would be well, struggling so much with this? We've only got less than a minute. This is a big bill because it does both the medical procedures and it does the protection of children who are playing sports. So this is a big bill, um, but I'm confident that the governor can sign it. And I know that the people of Ohio will be very happy that he does. Well, again, we're going to put the number of the governor's office up on the screen for you, our viewers, and for those who are listening. I want to read the number out. If you grab a pen and paper, we'll try to give this slowly enough to where you can get it. The number is 614-466-3555. That number again, 614-466-3555. And again, that is Governor DeWine. All right, Meg Kilgannon, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. Merry Christmas to you and your dear family. All right, friends, until next time, I hope you have a fantastic remainder of your day. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. God bless you, and have a very, very Merry Christmas. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.